This is the Commercial Property Show Australia. Show number 29. I do also have a TikTok. You trust <laughs> the age of 27 to start a TikTok, but that TikTok is more friendly towards your tenants where I have to deliver results for the landlords. Well, then I got to explain to a lot of people who are business owners for them to understand how commercial leasing works. Hey, how you doing? Commercial property community. Welcome to episode 29. I am your host, Andrew Bean. And in today's show, I interview a young Adelaide entrepreneur, Han Dol Kim, who is starting his own commercial agency from scratch. He talks about how he is going to shake up the industry how he is fabricating deals, actually putting deals together, not just waiting for them to come to him. He also talks about how he's using the different methods of marketing. He talks about his TikTok and he lets on his big secret on how he's finding commercial space for business owners that want to move. Make sure you check that one out. But before we get into it, make sure you listen all the way to the end to hear this week's lucky winner and how you can enter the competition for next week. Investing in commercial property is a lot like a team sport. You need a lot of good players around you to complete a property transaction. No one can do it alone. If you're like me and want to surround yourself with like-minded people who have similar property goals, people who motivate you and push you to achieve more, then come and join the commercial property community today. You can find our private group on Facebook by searching Commercial Property Show Community or you can click on the link in the show notes. Our expert guests are just waiting to answer your questions in the forum and together we can help each other reach the ultimate goal of financial freedom. My next guest is a young entrepreneur. He is the founder of Solomon Bloom. It's Han Dol Kim. How are you, mate? I'm very good. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for having me on the show. No worries, mate. You are very, very welcome. So, mate, exactly how old are you? Okay, so I have recently turned 27 in February. Wow, that is insane. And you've decided to start your own commercial selling agency. That's correct. But I'm cracking up to understand that there is a lot more than selling in this business to do. Yeah. Well, that's pretty exciting, man. I know when I was that age, commercial property was not on my radar. All I was thinking about was saving money for a residential property. So good on you for getting in early, mate. That's awesome. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it. So, mate, can you tell the listeners just a little bit about yourself and your new business? Yeah, sure. Fantastic. So, a bit about myself. I was in the legal industry. Uh, so, I, I was a lawyer and I was in the legal industry in various backgrounds from boutique tax law practice all the way to court matters and, and even the crown. So, uh, you know, representing the government all had something to do with property. But I, I got started quite early in properties because I had some money saved up working pretty hard as a tutor in my initial years of my university. And 
before I got into property, so this is after law, I had about three residential properties to my name. And I thought, well, you know what? I like property. I like doing the deals. It'd be great to be able to put together a lot of the stuff I did in law, which was predominantly all commercial law and commercial property law and law is just commercial properties. You know, very seldom you do residential stuff unless you did just hardcore convincing. So I thought I'd just put the two and two together and yeah, make the jump. And I just gave three agencies a call and their respective agents. And I said, hey, look, I want 15 minutes of your time. Let's catch up and I want to become a commercial property agent. And yeah, they all gave me a go, which was great. I chose one that would that I found was suitable and then did that for almost two years. And then I've jumped out on my own to start Solomon Glenn. Excellent, mate. So you sound like you're a pretty intelligent guy. When did you really first getting interested in property? What age were you then? Yeah, right. So that would have been when I was 24 years old. By that time, I have sold one property, like my own residential property, and then I've acquired three. And the mentality that I had in acquiring these extra properties was cash flow. Where could I go? What could I buy in residential property that could actually bring me cash flow? Because every time I get financing, like the cash flow was an issue because the your junior lawyer salary isn't particularly great. So to increase serviceability and to increase the likelihood of accumulating the down payment faster, I realized, look, I need every time I buy something, I need to make sure it makes me money. I wasn't buying into all the negative gearing, I would call it rubbish, <laughs> that... <laughs> that a lot of my friends were trying to get into, especially my friends who were in medicine and stuff, they would really look into negative gearing because they was paying, you know, they were too paying too much tax, but I didn't believe in that. I'd rather buy something that makes me money than loses money. So that's why I started thinking more about cash flow. So, you know, with residential, you can get cash flows that are pretty good, but you got to make sure that you also have a good amount of land to lock in the value as well. But then to do that, you got to get pretty far out of the metro, not rural, but got to get pretty far out of the metro to actually capitalize on that rental demand. So that's when I started thinking about commercial properties because I heard in the grapevine that they do better in the cash flow field. Did you literally just figure this out by yourself or were you reading books like Rich Dad Poor Dad's probably a really good one where it really tells you about how good cash flow is? Well, look, I didn't know Rich Dad Poor Dad until a year and a bit ago, but uh, I just constantly ran into the problem of financing and I knew higher cash flow is the only way to go. When you look at the financing model, right, you've got the down payment and you've got the serviceability. To solve that problem, cash flow is the way to go. And I was looking at a property and I realized, oh, wow, by buying this property, I am actually making money. I'm not liable to it. It actually pays me money. Then why the hell am I not buying it? That sort of just ticked on me. So that's what I decided to do. Yeah, that's awesome, mate. So yeah, commercial is definitely the way. So mate, when did you first decide to start your own commercial selling agency? Like what what was the catalyst for that? Yeah, right. Well, I know that I'm quite driven. I know that I'm quite energetic. I'm a single man. I don't have any family. And that's when I realized, gee, I don't have much to lose anyway. I've got cash flow through my rental properties, albeit three, they're all positively geared, then um, it's enough to eat on. So even if I, in the worst case scenario, I haven't got much to lose. And I've worked in commercial property industry for about the time I've you know said before. And just looking back on those numbers, it sort of made sense to just do it out on my own and look out for a, an efficient way to set the business up, keep the cost down and just keep rolling with the punches. Last year especially was a pretty tough year because of coronavirus. And it being one of my first initial years of my career, 
And I thought, surely I can do better than this the following year and just stay more focused. And when it becomes your baby, you're building something for yourself, then that's a completely different game. So what kind of starting budget did you need to start your own commercial agency? Not as much as you would think. That's if you don't have an office lease and if you don't have an admin that you pay 60 grand a year for. If you are trying to sort of start out and just capitalize on your deals initially, then it's not as much as you think. You got your licensing, you got all your digital subscriptions and, and everything else. Commercial property agency, you're also not having to manage a massive database. If you have a database of over thousand people that you're actively engaging with, like in commercial properties, you'll be making way too much money, I'd say. So really, if it boils down to how many people are talking to every day, you don't really need a beefy CRM like most of the resi guys do. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's not as much as you think. I mean, I, to put a dollar figure on like 20 grand is probably what I've spent so far in setting things up. Okay. Wow. So like, Obviously, like real commercial real estate.com, like putting on listings, I mean, that's reasonably expensive. How much is it per listing? Well, you get the vendors to pay for that. Oh, okay. You do have a subscription fee attached to it, but it's about a couple of hundred dollars a month. So a lot of these costs are not upfront. It's not like you're buying an office to start off. So a lot of these things can be prorated to the interim term that you're trying to service your clients for. Yeah, beautiful, man. That's excellent. What have you found most difficult so far with starting your own commercial agency? That's a fantastic question. So coming from an agency background, the detail is probably where most commercial agents are going to struggle. There's plenty of agents out there that have really great attention to detail, but that's certainly an area that I struggle to sort of identify. So all the books, the bookkeeping, the licensing, the paperwork, I used to spend more time out of the office than in the office, but now I have to increase that a bit more just to sort out all that admin. Yeah. Yeah, definitely the licensing and all that. It just, yeah, I could imagine that it'd be quite a steep learning curve if you haven't come from something like that. That's right. But Andrew, it's harder before you do it than after you do it, which is a really good mentality to have, I think. So yeah, it's when you look at it from far away and like, oh, like I don't know, something. but if you actually find out and you know start chipping away and it's done, well, it's done. You know how to do it now. So it's good. Yeah, I love that, mate. So it's just basically just taking bite-sized pieces and saying, okay, well, they've got a problem here. How I can figure it out. How do I do it? Rather than looking at the whole thing and saying, this is way too hard. If you just break it down into bite-sized pieces and ask yourself, okay, how do, am I going to do this? How can I figure it out? And then you will. Exactly right. And you start having a lot more real conversations with people in the society. Like, you realize all your clients are actually business owners themselves. They relate with your pain. And like the level at which you can now engage with these people is a new one. You know, like you know, before when I was just an employee and, you know, just making those calls, you're that degree apart. But now when I talk to these people, they're willing to be more helpful and give me a go. And any questions I have, we can we can actually relate with each other and discuss this as a, from the same side as well, which I found really helpful in sort of re-engaging with the network. What type of marketing are you currently doing to attract clients? This is something that I really wanted to shake up in doing what I do. I have just begun my YouTube channel. I was actually pretty active on LinkedIn and Instagram and things like that. When I would do a deal, I would do a really loud video, what's been done, you know, the results that I was able to drive, and it would be a very short video. But now I'm being a lot more informative with my videos. 
So the, from an investment side, all the numbers and the calculation of things. So I've just started that now and I have enough episodes booked in so that I can stay on top of my schedule. And I've come up with a system to be able to do that. I do also have a TikTok. You trust <laughs> the age of 27 to start a TikTok. But that TikTok is more friendly towards your tenants where I have to deliver results for the landlords. Well, then I got to explain to a lot of people who are business owners for them to understand how commercial leasing works to approach them in a simple way like that so that they get a bit of an idea or even using TikTok as a stream to actually plug into a connect like myself, that's a good way to do it. Last year, when I was uploading these little things here and there, I would still get leads from these videos. So this year, now that I'm treating a lot more seriously, I think that should have some good traction as well. So what platform are you getting the most traction from? Yeah, so LinkedIn, which has been the most active platform for me in the last year, has been proven to be the most successful. But this year, I do bank a fair bit on YouTube and Facebook. Excellent. How many listings have you secured and how many have you sold so far? That's a fantastic question. So since leaving my previous employment, getting listings haven't been my priority. Getting everything registered and you know all that was very, very, very busy for me. But I have done deals still. I've been out for about almost a month and a half now. And I've done about half a dozen leases and I'm working on two syndicates. And these are deals that you can do without an official engagement, if you understand what I mean. So if it, for leases, what I can do is, yeah, I might not represent the landlord directly, but I might have a bunch of tenants that I know who is looking for something. And you know what? They will do a deal, whether you're involved or not. But you can be involved. Service them is you, as long as you help them and guide them along with the process then you can usually cut a commission from the landlord side with a listing agent. The market value on that is like, I don't know, 50-50. And usually, as long as you bring a tenant in, the listing agent is pretty happy to do it. So it's those. And then I've also represented landlords who are very happy for me to just sort of go out and just get things on the deals that I do deliver. So those are just general agency engagements. Some landlords prefer the general agencies where they go and tell every agent about their vacancy and whoever does a deal gets the deal done. So tell me about a syndicate, mate. That sounds interesting. Syndication is something that I'm really excited by. I, I call it the fabrication of the deal, right? So mm-hmm. what fabric out there? Well, I create products that are valuable for people to buy. So syndication is a really good thing because everybody in commercial property, they want to punch up. If their budget is $3 million, they want to buy something at five. If their budget is $5 million, they want to This is just the animal that commercial property investors are. <laughs> and I've come to When people have that mentality, then you can put together a product and sort of look at a feasibility and then go, you know what, I could have John, Jack and Jason to come together and look into doing this. And my selling pitch is always when I talk to a lot of high net worth clients, I go, hey, you know, how'd you get here? I always ask that question. They go and nine times out of 10, their first deal is always I've done something with my brother or my friend. It was always a syndicator of some form. I got to be careful when I use that word. But when I say syndicate, I'm talking really just two or three partners, that, that's all I'm saying. You know, nothing crazy that would require me a license or anything. But that kicks them off to a pretty good start because principles like economies of scale apply to a bigger investment, which means that their dollar value is, it has a lot more bang for the buck that they do. So putting that together, people have really appreciated that approach from me. Another type of deal that I fabricate is finding a tenant before I sell something. So the property could be on sale and listed by some other agent. Like, I don't really care. I just go and find a tenant and that's for sale as a vacant possession. Then I go find the tenant and then identify how much they can pay. 
even though of a little agreement on your subject to the settlement of that property, obviously the land property selling because they couldn't find the tenant and they don't really see the value of holding onto the property. So I can then pre-find the tenant and then all of a sudden at the asking price of the property is, is such a, it's more of a worthwhile property to venture for investors. So that way there's some serious value that they can explore in that. And then that's a way that I can then you know, offer up a product. There's plenty of property. Yes, the market's dry at the moment, but people say that stuff that are for sale aren't particularly great, but you can make that great. And for me, the value that I can add is by finding tenants and having establishing a cash flow, therefore making the investment more worthwhile. And then I tee that up with a bit of that syndication as well. So if the property price is pretty high, then they can get together. So one thing I'm working on at the moment is like a, it's a building in the city, but, you know, we, we want to, and it, we got to lease out the spaces as an office offering, but we're trying to look for a shared office. You might already know that shared offices are probably the talk of the town at the moment, and there's some great opportunities in there. So being able to have the flexibility to explore these sort of alternative avenues to actually do more commercial property deals is what really gives me the high of running my business at the moment. So talk me through how you're actually finding these tenants. So there's a property for sale. And then you're actually going to actively find a tenant. Are you like listing this property for lease and then taking people through this while it's actually getting sold? How does that actually work? Yeah, right. So you've got to pre- play quite carefully because there's a lot of sensitivities in, in doing these deals. I'll give away my secret here. And what I do is I first find a business owner that is looking to move or looking to expand or that relationship with that person. And then I go, all right, where do you want to go? They might be looking on real commercial every day and looking, but you know what they search for is properties for lease, right? What I do is I go and look at properties for sale and then identify the vacancies in there and see if I can lease it out to this person. And then I will just tell the listing agent, I've got somebody interested. Can I just have a look through and we just have a walk through and it's a tenant, but I don't have to share that information. It's just somebody who's interested. They can just have a look through. So they get to have a look through. If they like it, they take it. If they don't like it, but to them, it's an extra service. When I say them, the tenant, right? To the tenant, it's an extra service because it, to, to them, it makes them feel like they get more options in the marketplace. So that's the secret of how I try and tee these things up. To actually go with the approach like you did, which is the other way, which you identify a property for sale and try and find the tenancies for it. Well, then your network has to be pretty bloody large like you've got to have a pretty large network to be able to do that but look i'm only one person i have a lot of energy but i can start with the people that i know are going to be moving and shaking in the business i build enough trust with them then i can then go out and identify these properties as well and look similarly i've worked for buyers who i know are looking in the market at the moment and then i go all right well this is the type of stuff you want to buy you've just missed out on that property well then how about we go and hit up some of the for lease listings out there that have been listed for God knows how long and just try and get a sell done now that the market's pretty good and your offer is pretty good as well and you're ready to go. So I've done slightly more creative things like that along the way. So that's how I would approach it. I do like the way that you're actually being creative and stepping out of the box and you're making a deal. You're not just waiting for the deals to come to you. That's really, really awesome. But so just stepping back a bit to how you're doing this leasing. So you'll find a tenant, you'll get them to sign agreement. But what if you can't complete the sale? If you can't get a a small group syndication together, how does that work? There's nothing that's free, unfortunately, with the property game. I think that's why we all love it. (laughs) But (laughs) it may certainly be the case that that happens. But then if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. You can just keep pushing and, you know, do more. And then I've realized I can't win every day. So you just 
keep your head up and just keep moving to the next one and tell the tenants, look, unfortunately, this was okay. Tenants don't even care what we end up doing with it. As long as they can lease a property because tenants are business owners. They'd rather have their money parked with their business. So that's why they, even though they have the cash flow and the money to buy, they would rather run their business because they know that their business can return higher returns than commercial property. So that's why they're okay. But as long as I'm out there providing extra options for them and we give things a go, it's also subject to the new landlord's approval as well, right? The new buyer's approval on their lease as well. Of course, the numbers are pretty good, so there's no real reason why they wouldn't accept. But if we can't deliver up the deal, then that's how it is. And if the current owner is not willing to do a lease, well, and they just want to exit the market, well, then unfortunately, we can't deal with it. But, you know, I would at least try to get the tenant to make a deal with the existing vendor to see if they would be at least be keen to have that person on. But usually, I would also think about, okay, what are the greater opportunities can I then create for everybody here that at least the ones that I am talking to the vendor of the listed property for sale is not the person I'm talking to people I am talking to are the prospective tenant and of course the syndicate or any any buyer that I might any investor that I might have lined up for them so I'm trying to get as great of a deal as possible for those parties so that we can just try again I mean that's the short answer so I guess like even have the option if the property doesn't sell you can still approach the owner and say, hey, I've got a tenant. Would you like to lease this property to this tenant? And then you still get a commission in between. Well, I don't see why not. Definitely. Why not? But that's just but one of the things I can do with this tenant because they can choose to go, oh, well, look, it really depends case by case and what party wants to do, how easy it is to communicate with each party as well. Sometimes you've got all the, all the right pieces, but if no one's communicating, then it can get pretty hard. Yeah, definitely. I hope you're enjoying the show. We'll be back after this short break. At Developer Life, we get it. You own a commercial property and want to add value to it, but you're not sure how or you just don't have time. Well, it has now never been easier for the novice investor to get professional results with our strategic value add strategy plan. We identify exactly how to add value to your property and deliver a step-by-step strategy plan to our clients. And if you're a passive investor looking for a total hands-off approach, we can even manage it for you with our project management service. So contact us today at www.developalife.com.au to secure your free 30-minute consultation today. That's www.developalife.com.au. We want to help you maximize the value of your commercial property. Are you actually planning on managing these properties yourself or are you just putting a tenant in? That's a great question. Look, I'd love to have all the answers with the future trajectory of my business. And, you know, I'd like to, <laughs> sometimes you just got to do stuff without knowing what to do in the future as well. There's only so much I can analyze and think about things. I've thought through a lot of things and I'm taking action on what I know to do. But with that one, that's a big head scratcher. I mean, I might be looking at opportunities to lease out some retail space in a shopping center, for example. You do enough leases for a particular shopping center and you stay loyal enough for that, then the landlord of the shopping center might consider management with you, in which case, then, I don't know, I might scramble around and try and find a good manager to poach around Adelaide or something. But that's any commercial property agency sort of plan, I guess. But at the moment, 
look, I love the agency work. I think there's enough work getting around. Yes, having a management business would be good for you know securing further opportunities, but that not being immediately available to really have the capital to fork out 150k to a property manager per annum. Well, there's a pretty clear answer there, and you just got to keep pushing with what I know how to do best. Yeah, I know exactly how you feel with it. You're just taking on too much and you can't really do anything at 100%. It's better to pull that back and mm-hmm. rein it in and just like really focus on one part and then get that humming and then move on to the next part of your business. That's, That's awesome, mate. It's not realized gain right now, but it has the potential to be realized later on. And at what point do you think you'll need to start hiring a team? Have you really thought about that? I have. So today I'm coming out of a meeting somebody who might pretend well so at the beginning you got off some pretty good terms obviously and then you just work with them and increase your profile that way but it's predominantly based on a personal relationship that I have done that so to answer your question at what point do I think I'll need to start hiring a team well right now right now is the time and look at any flexible and interesting types of arrangement obviously you got to play by the rules as well meaning that any kind of employment laws that get involved you need to be careful around how that plays as well so I've, I've done a lot of research into the rules around employment and things like that to actually be doing the right thing too but there are experienced agents out there that might be considering commission only opportunities as well where they have a lot more freedom to be joining a team and to deliver deals sort of as and when they come available. So I am looking for opportunities like that at the moment to work out the right commission cuts and do the deals with more team members that will be in the in the selling and leasing environment. Yeah, I guess with the type of business that you're in, you can offer that commission only and you could also possibly offer a slice of the business as well, a slice of equity of the business if that was something that they really wanted to get them in the door. But yeah, I, I could definitely see how you can leverage that commission to really get a good team behind you that will push your business forward. That's really cool. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great point. Who are the biggest commercial agencies in South Australia right now? And where do you see yourself stacking up in five years? Right. So biggest commercial agency in South Australia right now, I think McGee's are absolute beasts at the moment. I will name drop Saxon Smith. If you're listening to this, you're doing a great job, mate. I love your work. Fantastic at what you do. McGee's is like not a big boy company. It really isn't. There's nothing like Collier's and you got JLL, CBRE. It's not like those guys, but they're absolutely smashing. And I think they've got a really good team behind them as well. I know other people in that company that are absolutely killing it too. And so in terms of competition, since my product is so different to like CBRE, Collier's, Night Frank, JLL, those guys, I mean, they run in a different league altogether, but I feel that sort of in the mid-tier market, or I'm not even mid-tier, I'm not kidding, but I feel that they're the biggest commercial agency. They grow them really fast and they've got a huge representation out there, which is great. And how do I see myself stacking on the five? Look, in five years' time, regardless of, look, I have to have a really good relationship with, with all the agents in South Australia. Look, like I said to you before, remember tenants, you know, by just introducing a tenant to already listed listing, we need to have a good established relationship. So I want to have a good relationship with them from now and until five years time, of course. And also, how do I stack up against them? Well, I just want a bit of stability in my business. That's really all I want for now. In terms of competing with them, we'll see how we go, really. I don't really have a goal to say I've got to be better than McGee's or I've got to be better than some other company. Don't really have that competitive spirit in me just as yet. Yeah, that's awesome, mate. So you've already explained how differently you look at creating deals, finding deals. 
Can you just explain a little bit more in depth on how your agency is going to be different from the big boys and then what's going to set you apart? I know you've already basically set it, but just really dive into that piece for me. Okay, sure. So deal fabrication, like I love that. (laughs) If you tee everything up as well, the owners are, at least some of the people I've been talking to, they're willing to cut me in on the deal as well. So like owning a small piece of the pie or, or anything like that. And I know agents in this market that are doing that. And they're the ones that are really successful when they turn 50, 60 years old. My ultimate goal is to be a landlord. I love doing deals. I love selling property. I love leasing property, but I also want my skin in the game as well. So in that, because of in me as well, I am more willing to partner with growing investors so not already big investors i mean they don't really want to do this kind of stuff but growing investors right like my typical investor is like a dentist in their mid-30s sort of not so keen on the day job anymore but they've got some dollars and they want to put it into good use so those guys have a lot of potential to grow and so because i'm young i'm able to build those relationships yeah so i think that's where i'm going to be quite different i get real kick out of building wealth for people I really wish one day I will be able to just bring somebody who is just very regular in their income or whatever and just sort of give them a light bulb moment and then bring them up to a much wealthier circumstance. I really love doing that. And I think that mentality is quite different to just transaction, 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 because because I, I always have that mindset where, okay, how can my clients get richer? Because at the end of the day, that's how you attract people to you. How can I make a better life for the people I work for? So I think that mentality is quite different because it's not just like, you know, we'll just lease that out. We'll just do that sale. Or it's quite different in that regard. So that's more of an intangible way. How's it going to be different? Well, obviously, I'm fabricating the good deals for people. What's going to set me apart? I think down the track, I want to build a pretty big social media sort of following. And I want to be creating a lot of content where people visit these social pipes for a good solid knowledge source and hopefully that will be one of the driving factors for leads and the trust that I could build for my team as well so that's how I want to position myself and I think being able to think that way and have a flexible outside of the box approach like that is going to be very different from from the big boys so it definitely sounds like you're not just a selling agent you're almost the buyer's agent and going to be a bit of a syndicator as well is that right It does seem that way. But for me to do that, I still got to be bloody good at selling and leasing. Because like I told you, fabricating deals, you need to have solid cash flow set up in a way that makes people want to buy. You got to have the ability to sell, to get people convinced, to jump in on your projects. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Like I said at the beginning, I'm coming to realize that this commercial property environment, there's just so much more to it than just Selling and leasing. It's pretty crazy out there. Yeah, buyer's agency, definitely. When I was in university, I went to Shanghai for about a year to study. And I did that predominantly to learn the Chinese language. I, I'm a Korean by blood, and I decided to learn Chinese so that I could use it for my career. And yeah, that's where those skills really shine at the moment when I talk to these people. And yeah, this quasi buyer's agency, you know, tenancy rep thing is definitely happening. And it's driving my business quite a fair bit at the moment, too. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I love that. So, mate, going back to the the syndication or approaching a dentist to kind of partner with you, what are you actually offering the dentist? How does that play out? Well, one dentist that I have built a relationship with, I just talk to them because uh, I just started talking to them in my dentist chair. 
And so, yeah, that's what's happened. All a bit of chance, but you know what? And then they start talking to everybody else. It's like, hey, you got to meet this Hundal kid. He's pretty crazy and he's got some interesting ideas. Let's hear him out. And then when they hear me out, I end up getting them to spend a bit of money. And so that's word of mouth. Adelaide is a small town as well, you know? And so people start talking, oh, yeah, Hundal, he's got something interesting there and he's always trying to look for something else and do something interesting here and there. And he just set up his own little agency. And I think he can offer something greater than what we can expect from the other guy. And so that's how I build relationships. I don't particularly target, but just like-minded people. I, I know guys that are sort of in their mid-20s that are running their nifty little businesses, but they're turning over really good numbers as well. Property investment has never been sort of in their horizon, but you know, I, I start talking to them. Every time I use any kind of service or any kind of supplier, photographers, videographers, any kind of trade out there. You know, if I use a plumber, I always talk to them and I go, look, this is what I do. What do you do? How's business going? Do you own your business? Do you work for somebody? Hey, why don't you start your own? That's my daily life. I go to people's businesses, use their services and just talk to them, which I love doing. So it sounds like you're very, very good at networking. I could always get better. And you know what? It takes a bit of hyping up of myself to actually jump in and do that as well (laughs) you need to seem kind of natural and so you're not trying so hard and um, but like I said you can't win everybody so what kind of terms are you offering these dentists like obviously it might be something like you're getting a slice of the deal to to manage it to put in a tenant and then you get some cash flow from that but it's not particularly related to (laughs) your services is that kind of how it goes like what kind of percentage are you getting and how does it work it's always uh, case by case to be able to quantify that. It depends how much cash and therefore how much value I've added to the property. So I was speaking to a financier about how I could come up with a quantum of division for this. But, you know, it, it depends on case by case. It also depends on how much of a relationship I want to build with these people and, you know, what kind of what kind of future deals are available. See, look, it, there's no there's no fee schedule with this kind of stuff, unfortunately. I know a lot of the real the real hardcore syndicator guys out there have a, like a strict fee schedule but they can do that because their volume is crazy good but for me you know when I'm starting out I just need to make sure that I uh, I sort of play by ear and try to work out a split where you know it makes sense on both parties if it comes down to the fact that I'm offering something and it's better off for them to just go and do something of their own and just invest in something else then why would they invest with me as well so I got to come up with a, a cut that makes sense for each of them but too much greed doesn't take you very far. So I just try and work something out. As long as there's something in it for me and I'm not work, you know, running around for free, then I'd consider it. And that's because I'm young. What have I got to lose? If I'm much older than I am and I had all the reputation and people that I'm responsible for, then it's it's a different story. But for me now, it's just let's work towards something both of us are happy with and let's look at the numbers. At the end of the day, just the numbers. Yeah. Yeah, I love that, man. Well, it sounds like you're an absolutely super driven guy, a little bit like myself. And I can't wait to hear about your success in the future, mate. Where can listeners go to find out more about you and your business? My business is Solomon Bloom. Why is it called that? Great question. They're just two Jewish names to make my company sound nice and prestigious. Uh, and <laughs> really, who else does this is um, Mr. Warren Buffett. His uh, company, as a lot of the listeners might already know, is called Berkshire Hathaway. Who the hell is Berkshire? Who the hell is Hathaway? No one called that in his company. But... Same thing as me. No one's called Solomon. No one's called Bloom Office. But that's what I decided to call it, to make it sound nice and cool. And so, yeah, Solomon Bloom. You can find that on I have a website, solomonbloom.com. My social pipes, so Facebook, Handel Kim FB, 
Instagram, Handal Kim IG, TikTok, Handal Kim TT. And then you can just find me as Handal Kim on YouTube as well. You will see more content uh, that gets populated into that. Now that I've made this promise on the podcast, you know, it gives me more uh, motivation to do that too, which is great. Yeah. So that's where they can go find out more about my business. That's awesome, mate. Commit now and figure it out later. I love it, mate. My guest today has been Han Dol Kim from Solomon Bloom. Thanks, Han. Thank you so much. All right, all right. That brings us to our newest segment to the show, and that segment is called Ripper Resource. In this segment, I'm going to share some resources that I have personally used, read, or listened to that have made a big difference in my life, and I think they deserve to be shared. So this week's Ripper resource is Crushing It in Apartments and Commercial Real Estate by Brian H. Murray. This is a really, really cool story. Brian He's an extremely good investor. He's an American investor. He went all in on a apartment building. He bought a rundown apartment building and then basically just jumped in and started managing it. And just his whole story on how he's actually turned it around and then he's bought different apartments and stuff along the way and basically turned really, really poor performing assets into great assets. He's currently working with a a fund called Open Door Capital, and I'm sure he does other stuff as well. He's had a lot of awards for being such a good investor in America, and it's a really, really good book, and I suggest you listen to it. It's this week's Ripper Resource, Crushing It in Apartments and Commercial Real Estate by Brian H. Murray. All right, this week's winner of the Strategic Value Add Strategy Plan is... Matty23982, your job now is to contact me to collect your prize. All right. If you would like to go in the draw to win 50% off a strategic value add strategy plan for your commercial property, all you have to do is go onto Apple Podcasts, give the podcast a five-star rating and leave a review with your name and you will automatically be in the draw for next episode. That brings us to the end of the show. I'd like to thank Han Dol Kim and Kevin McLeod for the music. And remember, in the words of Grant Cardone, success is your duty, obligation, and responsibility. I'm Andrew Bean, signing off. This has been a Developer Life production.